Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Angles on the Beat show. Mike Griffith here and really pleased to bring some really special guests on tonight. We're going to talk a lot of Georgia football. And if my power goes out, I just want to warn you, I'm getting hit with a storm. This is the this is the whole element of the live Zoom shows. Sometimes we like to tape because you never know. And just as we begin, the storm starts. And, you know, it's not going to be too much longer. The whole storm of SEC football about to hit in Birmingham next week. Uh, Hoover, technically, with the SEC media days, and we'll have all the questions. We'll hear all the spin. But before we get to next week on this final off-season show, that's what I'm calling this. This is the final show of the college football off-season because next week we begin the preseason, right? This is when the coaches get to hit the reset button. What happened in the spring? We're not worried about that as much anymore. Some of the schools had guys arrested, locked up. They're not going to talk about that at Oklahoma anymore. They're not going to talk about winning playoff games either because the Big 12 still didn't have a playoff win. But we're, we're going to look forward starting next week. But this show, one more look at the offseason, our thoughts collectively on a lot of the rule changes that we're starting to see, the landscape changing, some personnel changes. At Georgia. I couldn't think of anybody better than to bring on than Buck Ballou, former national championship Georgia quarterback. Of course, Buck with a show on 680 The Fan. Buck, welcome to the program. And before we dive too much further into Georgia, I heard you got a little news, a little housekeeping going on at 680. Yeah, we have some changes, Mike, going on starting this uh, Monday, the 19th, and I'll be hosting my own show. So very excited about that. I've been in this Atlanta market for 20 years now. So I feel like I'm, uh, you know, ready for the challenge, so to speak. And uh, I'll be uh, doing the show. The Buck Baloo show will air on 680 The Fan Monday through Friday from 10 to 11. Now, what do I do after the one hour? I'm heading to the golf course, man. That handicap's going to be coming down. Well, that's awesome, Buck. Well, congratulations. And obviously your commentary is wonderful, as is your Georgia background and knowledge. And now I think Chip's got you beat, though, talking about the Atlanta. Now, you might have been playing, but Chip been covering the program, what, 20 – he's got you beat as a media guy, right? 27 years, Chip, is that what we're looking at with Chip Towers now covering Georgia Bulldogs? Well, yeah, let's get this straight. Uh, Buck is older than me. Uh, <laughs> I know nobody – everybody finds that hard to believe, but, you know, Buck had a long and illustrious career in Savannah TV and, of course, in – professional sports, uh, you know, USFL and baseball. So he was, he was in it, uh, to a much deeper degree than I ever was. Uh, and, uh, uh, certainly accomplished much more on all his fields of competition, but the, uh, bottom line. Yeah. I've probably been intimately involved with the coverage of Georgia per se than he has, uh, uh in total. All right. Well, there we go. So we got the credentials set. Obviously, I've been kicking around the SEC for, gosh, going on 27 years, different schools, different places, different perspectives. I don't know. Depending on what fan you're reading on Twitter, that's a good thing or a bad thing that if you cut me open, I'm not going to start barking like a Georgia Bulldog. But I think I know a little bit about college football, and I know this. And and I think Buck struck a nerve this spring. And I give you credit for saying it, Buck, because – there's not too many people that will put it right out there in Kirby's face that, hey, man, you got to start throwing the ball more. Everybody's been thinking it. You came right out and said it. Kirby's got to take the handcuffs off. So let's start right there. I think we got a little preview in the spring game. But, Buck, do you think Kirby Smart's going to take the handcuffs off the offense this year? Well, I hope he's going to let me back over there at Sanford Stadium this fall. But 
look, I, you know, I think what it is, is is they've come to this crossroads, Kirby has, and I think because of the trust uh, that he has in the quarterback, JT Daniels, the trust that he's going to make good decisions in the passing game, that he's now comfortable to make this move. Guys, this wide this receiver group as a whole, and I'm counting the tight ends and the running backs in that conversation. JT Daniels is loaded up with weapons, especially with Gilbert now on the scene. So I think it's the trust that Kirby has with the quarterback that will allow him to, to make this jump and get away from that ground and pound and lead with the passing game. So, you know, as a former quarterback, man, I'm pretty excited about this. No doubt. You know, Chip, I think that, uh, you know, last year what we saw to the – I don't know if I lost Buck there. I think what we saw out of the Georgia offense last year was more out of necessity. Jump and get away from that ground and pound and lead with the passing game. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, with that passing game last year, I'm sorry, Chip. I I think I have some internet uh, struggles here. As I said, the storm hit pretty hard. But a lot of what we saw last year, I'm not sure we really saw what Georgia wanted to do. A lot of it out of necessity. I, I guess I would ask you, you've covered Georgia football a long time. You've seen two of the SEC's all-time leading passers, by the way. I know Georgia's got the RBA nickname, but let's not forget that Eric Zire was the SEC's all-time leading passer when he completed his career, and you were here to cover that. And then, of course, Aaron Murray still stands as the SEC's all-time leading passer. Do you think Georgia is going to lean that far to the side of of record-breaking single-season numbers for JT Daniels? Yeah, I, I think there's a good shot that this could be the best uh, passing year that Georgia has when you just base, based on you see the incarnation of college football in this particular span that we're in. Uh, I think when you think about the fact that JT Daniels is back, you think about uh, Buck alluded to all the different targets that he has. Uh, you know, JT Daniels and Todd Munkin are licking their chops right now. And, and Kirby has, uh, you know, uh, taking his hands off the wheel. I mean, I think he had, I I think it's overblown a little bit how much that Kirby's over there dictating the kind of coverage. Now, you know, uh, the the kind of uh, uh, strategy that they're using on offense, uh, I I think that's a little bit overblown. But that said, everything is set up with college football rules, with the personnel that's in place, uh, you know, for them to throw the ball all over the place this year. And I, I think they're going to do that. I mean, you know, uh, in, in the way it's set up nowadays, you, you, you even, they still call it a run game, even though you're spitting it route right or left as Amir or James Cook, that, they, they basically consider that a run place. It's just a different way to, to distribute the football. But, you know, as long as I've known about quarterbacks and I include Buck in this conversation, that's been the narrative. Buck won't throw the ball more the whole time he was at Georgia. Every year he thought they should throw the ball more. And sometimes they did, but he just happened to play with the best tailback in the history of college football. Uh, and that certainly the game has changed. Even if you put Herschel on this team now, Georgia would be throwing it a whole lot more. And they've got guys that are, you know, they're not Herschel, but, you know, the last several years, Georgia's been fine uh, with tailbacks and different incarnations, as you alluded to. Eric Zire set the record. Aaron Murray had more after that. Matt Stafford threw the ball all, all over the yard. It's not like Georgia's never thrown the ball. It's just imagine. It's just a matter of what works best for you. And in different incarnations, it's been one thing or another. I think for sure it's throwing the ball this year. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, you know, Herschel can catch the ball too. You talk about a guy before his time. And you, you went there with Herschel. So, guys, I got to bring this up. 
you know, I, I've met Herschel. I honored him in New Orleans a couple of years ago, sat at the table. I mean, what a great ambassador and representative uh, for the University of Georgia. Uh, I don't think people realize he was the valedictorian of his high school class. I mean, this guy, li listen, he's special. All right. He's Superman. Uh, I think the only other back I can think of that dominated that belongs in the conversation is probably Bo Jackson that had that level of dominance. And Herschel did it over so many more years than Bo. I give him the nod, right, and, and won the national championship and and probably could have, should have uh, won more. We don't want to get into could have, should have here. But I got to ask both you guys this because this is something uh, as an outsider that just drives me nuts. Why, oh, why? Doesn't the University of Georgia have anything to honor Herschel Walker on that campus? I Buck, I'll ask you. I don't understand this, man. Well, look, he certainly deserves uh, that statue, I think. Uh, Chip, it is somewhere in Metro Athens, right? I mean, somewhere yeah. around town. Well, well all we need to do is pick it up on a, a big truck and, and get it over to uh, Sanford Stadium in that area. So I'm willing to go out and help get that done. Uh, if you can come up with a truck, Chip, I'll meet you over there. We'll move it on down. Chip, I, Chip you, what, what is it? I mean, we, we see a statue of Vince Dooley. I mean, is that the only person that George is allowed to, to put a statue up of? Or I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to fit, like I said, I, there's like a bulldog in front of the alumni house. Yeah. Go ahead, Chip. Uh, I was just, I, mean, I think I'm experiencing the same storms that Griff is. The interesting thing, here's a little dynamic. Griff and I live about what, what Griff, about five or seven miles from each yeah. other in Oconee County, Georgia. And as I, uh, I saw the same clouds that he saw as I was coming inside to get on here, I was like, whoa, that's a menacing looking storm. And about that time, it was right over Griff's house. So it's probably over mine, my house too. But, you know, what a beautiful thing this kind of technology is that we can get together and talk to each other all the time. Uh, but uh, I, I had an answer to the question, and I actually answered it, but I don't think anybody heard it. <laughs> well, what, what was the answer? Let's, let's hear, yeah, it. Let's hear it again. What talking about. It, it, it remind me what the question was. <laughs> the, the Herschel Walker lack of a statue, lack of the monument. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, was going to say, it is, what I was going to say when, when, when Buck uh, initiated is like, oh, it's out there. You know, it just moves around. Uh, and the last time I saw it, it was at Creature Comforts, but I don't think it's there anymore. It may be back at the studio of the artist, Stan Mullins. Now, this is a, you talk about controversy. Uh, you know, people talk, we're looking for clicks, right? We hear that all the time, Griff. You looking for clicks, all you got to do is bring up Herschel Walker in a statue, because there are so many opinions about it. Yes, there should be one. This is where it should be. Uh, uh, Stan Mullen's, uh, you know, likeness is whether it's worthy of being, uh, you know, so should somebody else do it? You know, uh, uh, you know, you get an artistic conversation and you get uh, a statue conversation. Now, the what University of Georgia will tell you, if you notice around the entirety of the University of Georgia campus, uh, they are bearish on statues. There's not many of them. Uh, you know, there's Abraham Baldwin on main campus. There's Bernard Ramsey, I think, near the business school or over there. There's very, very few. But, you know, you can also say, well, how many do they have down at Florida and other places? I mean, based on what he did and what he meant to the University of Georgia, my personal opinion is they should have a huge statue of, of Herschel Walker somewhere around Sanford Stadium. I don't think it needs to be 
at the athletic complex. I don't think it needs to be. I think it needs to be where he made the biggest impact, which was on Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium. It ought to be there. Yep, I'm, I'm with you, Chip. I'm with you. And, and one more, just uh, th- throw this in there. The icing on the cake, Ray Goff, 1976 SEC Player of the Year, Georgia SEC Championship quarterback. He needs to be in the ring of honor. That, that, that's a that's another, just to me, a terrible a terrible oversight that doesn't speak well uh, for Georgia honoring past men that have contributed much and are still great members of the community. So some thoughts uh, from the guy that didn't go to Georgia, but just observing from 10,000 feet as I'm sitting here with the legendary championship quarterback and uh, the, the historian of the beat, uh, Chip Towers. Guys, getting back, dialing it back to, to modern day current issues. I Sorry, I had to get that one out there. Uh, so if it's not Kirby taking the handcuffs off, and I think I would agree with you that the spring game was a pretty good preview that JT Daniels is going to be flying that jet from the line of scrimmage. You know, he's not going to be like some of those quarterbacks at Ohio State and Oklahoma looking to the sideline for the play because they can't read the defense. Uh-uh, it's all at his fingertips, and they trust him. So now that we know JT is plugged in, and now that we're convinced that there's some targets out there that will run the right routes for Cortez Hankton, what is the biggest concern for this Georgia offense coming out of the offseason, Buck? I throw that to you. Well, I think it's the offensive line right now. Uh, look, they, uh, they're they looking for a left tackle to take charge here, so that's going to be huge. I'll tell you what, though, uh, whoever gets this job, and whether it's uh, Sawyer, uh, hopefully he's going to end up at guard because that's you know where I, I think he's going to play at the next level, or whether it's trust that it elevates his play and, and comes on strong. I, I think you know basically they're only keeping this spot warm for that kid Amarius Mims. Uh, I think he's the next big thing, or NBT as they said on that Disney Channel when my kids were uh, a little younger. But he's the next big thing. I was you know, really, I'm no offensive line expert, but after talking with the Stenchcomb boys about it, I'm convinced that Mims is going to take over that position uh, as soon as he can polish his game up and, and get comfortable in the offense there. He he looks like he's going to be spectacular, but I think uh, Van Prime Granger uh, there in the middle is another guy that could be a really high-level player. Uh, I'm really impressed with the group that Matt Luke has together, and, and really, I'm, I didn't think there was any way, Mike, that they would become close to replacing Sam Pittman. But, man, I tell you, Matt Luke's done a great job both recruiting and coaching these guys up on the field. It may be a concern coming into the year, but I'm not losing any sleep over it. And I don't think JT's losing any sleep either. You know, Chip, I would agree with Buck, especially with Clemson being the first game out of the gate, a team that was second in the nation in sacks and has an outstanding defensive line. Certainly the litmus test uh, right out of the gate. Uh, rather than echo Buck, because I think he covered it very well, I'm also big on Amarius Mims. I know you are too. I want to flip it over because to me the second most obvious area, and, and Chip, I'm just going to throw it at you. I'm going to make you talk, talk about this one. Tell me about the secondary. Now, Kirby lost three cornerbacks to the NFL, and Richard LeCount at safety as well. We see the kid from West Virginia coming in, Tyke Smith. PFF and these metrics, I guess numbers can lie. Somehow they say he's the best player on the team. I think that's hogwash, but it is a compliment to the West Virginia transfer. And then Darian Kendrick, the kid from Clemson. Are you comfortable with this defensive, uh, with this defensive secondary? And do you feel like this is a championship unit on the back end? 
Yeah, I think it definitely can be. And, you know, it's it's no secret. I mean, I, I think uh, Kirby and George's work in the transfer portal was otherworldly. I mean, I think you couldn't have asked uh, for a better situation. Now, that said, there's still a little bit of a depth issue. I mean, it's really incredible when you quantify it. I mean, think about it. Six defensive backs for Georgia that and I'm I'm talking about that played regularly, hundreds of snaps going down to the last one. I mean, DJ Daniel didn't play as much as he uh, last year as he did previous years, but I mean, he's if you look at it, he's a guy with long arms who was a starter the year before. Tyson Campbell had a tough time beating him out, um, and he was injured this year. But including Tyreek Stevenson, who's transferring to Miami. All of those guys were not just uh, on the defense, but they were regulars. They played in situations, which is the way Dan Landing likes to do it. So I still think Georgia has some issues in overall depth. But tying it into a little bit of what Buck was talking about with the offensive line, just look at the recruiting pedigree here. I mean, it's not like that you're – so between bringing in Taki Smith – and bringing in Darian Kendrick, who both had some kind of All-America mention. My power's about to go out here, by the way. <laughs> who both had some kind of uh, All-America mention at the schools that they're coming from. Uh, and, and But add to that, you know, a veteran like Amir Speed, who, say what you will, he's been a, a special teams regular, unable to beat out the guys that were in front of him, but he's six foot three, 210 pounds. That's a, that's a special-looking corner. And then the guys that have been waiting in the wings, you know, guys like Keely Ringo uh, and all those freshmen that uh, uh, have, have been waiting their turn, they're, they're still there and they're being coached up. You know, I mean, the, the reputation of Kirby Smart precedes him in this regard. So I know those guys are going to be prepared. Now then, looking back at the O-line and tying it in with the secondary, where this is problemi- problematic to me is only the first game to start with, not that it may be an issue later in the year, but just the fact that you open against a top five unit that happens to be strong where you're weak. Go look at Clemson's wide receiver core. I don't, you know, we'll see about the quarterback. Obviously he looked good in the, what we saw of him last year. Um, and and look at the uh, their defensive line. I mean, that might be, it, Georgia may have the best defensive line in the country, but if they don't, it's probably because of Clemson. So that particular matchup in game one is, incredible. But ultimately, both of these coaches, I know they're excited about it because you're going to know in game one, it's going to expose what you have. You're going to see where you need to shore up and what you need to work on. And in my opinion, Georgia's got what, you know, 11, 12 games after that, that they're going to be significantly better than everybody else they play, probably in both of those areas. So I, I think they've done a great job. And, uh, but, you know, uh, we'll see on September 4th. A lot of questions are going to get answered on that night in Charlotte. Yeah, and last question before a halftime break, Guy. I'll tell you what else this exposes, and that's that George and Clemson probably ought to be playing a heck of a lot more. Buck, I'll throw this to you. I mean, Dabo Sweeney has come out and said for a few years now that if he had his way, he'd play Georgia every year. And as the crow flies, Georgia is actually closer to Clemson than Georgia Tech if you were to draw a straight line. Now, mileage-wise and driving-wise, it's a few minutes closer uh, to Georgia Tech. But, man, Buck, have we been missing out on this? Is this a rivalry that Georgia should look at? Uh, you know, years now, I know they've got some home-and-homes coming up, but, you know, man, I, I look – again, I'm the outsider here. I'm, 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 I'm getting into some hot lava here. I can feel it. 
But I'd sure like to see George play Clemson every year a lot more home and home than Georgia Tech myself. That's it. You had to say it, Buck. Had to say it. Well, I tell you, years ago, this was the uh, most intense rivalry that we played year in and year out. And that says a lot because you got Georgia Tech on that, that schedule every year. But this Clemson rivalry was so intense uh, when I was in school. And then, you know, they, they continued to play there in the 80s. But I'm excited. I believe it's going to be we're going to see these teams play minimum of six times in the next 14 years because of these new contracts that have been signed. So I'm excited about that. It's a game that should be played. I think the, the player that goes to Clemson or Georgia and spends four or five years without the opportunity of playing Clemson, I think they get cheated by that. So, look, I'm uh, I'm thrilled to see Georgia and Clemson back on the field. It's a uh, wonderful old Deep South rivalry that, that should be played. So I'm, I'm excited about this one to start the year. This, this is really an epic showdown to get it started. Chip, you've seen a lot of Georgia rivalries come and go. You know, Florida, Alabama now suddenly has turned into a rival because of the nature of the SEC championship game. Auburn has risen. Tennessee's risen and fallen. South Carolina claims Georgia is their SEC rival. Where do you put this Clemson rivalry in your years covering the beat? Well, it's huge. I mean, I, I think if Georgia played Clemson every year, it would certainly supplant South Carolina as a rival. And, you know, the dynamics of Georgia's rivalries is incredible. Uh, I haven't broken it down across the whole nation, but I, I, I can. there can't be many teams that have as many intense rivals as Georgia does. I mean, you know, South Carolina, I mean, that's their game of the year every year. I mean, I tell people they, they don't understand, but, I mean, the Gamecocks, they, they have two huge rivals, Georgia and, and Clemson. And that's that's all that fan base cares about. Georgia doesn't necessarily carry that same passion into the South Carolina series, and it's come back and haunt them on a couple of noon starts over the years. Um, but, you know, I, I'm like Buck, you know, Buck was on the field with it, but I grew up seeing them play in Clemson every year. I mean, in 80-81, those two, those two games, I mean, those two teams were incredible. I, I but I'd love to hear Buck's opinion on this, but I, I don't know. That 81 team was probably better than the 80. I thought it was be, maybe maybe the best team Georgia's ever had. I, I don't know that I'm accurate about it. Certainly the 80 team, you know, had all those um, intangibles that are hard to put your fingers on. They played for each other, and they just found a way to win. But, I mean, 81 was a daggum locomotive, and I still can't believe they lost that game to Clemson. I know – Sometimes Buck wakes up in the middle of the night in cold sweats and going, oh, my God, how did we lose that game? I mean, you, it couldn't have gone any worse than it did that day. Uh, and, and Clemson went on and won it. You know, I, 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 they had a chance to win three or four during that little run. Um, anyway, all that to say, I, I, I share Buck's passion. I'm glad they're playing Clemson more, and I, I prefer the home and homes way better um, than I do these neutral sites. However, I do I do like this Duke's Mayo Classic. I think that's about as Southern as you could possibly get. And uh, I'm really looking forward to see how well they emulate, you know, the Chick-fil-A kickoff because they, they make no bones about it. That's their model. They're trying to create the same thing in Charlotte, and this is a heck of a way to do it. Yeah, we'll see if the dogs can cash in at Bank of America Stadium. Guys, need to take a short break right now. Recognize our sponsor, Ingles. Really appreciate all Ingles has done uh, for this programming, uh, supporting the Georgia football 
uh, talk that we have and our audience and, and supporting us, uh, you know, on a daily basis, you know, throughout the pandemic, we could count on Ingles. So I want to take this moment, recognize our sponsor Ingles. We'll be right back with the second half of the show. It's in our hearts to feel for you. There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, there's good days and some bad. We stand together for worse and for better We'll always have your back With open arms, heart to heart, hand in hand Community strong Well, welcome back to Angles on the Beach show. You know, in that first half, you know, talking a lot about Georgia tradition and Clemson, Herschel Walker, of course, Buck Ballou joins us tonight. National championship quarterback, popular Georgia media figure and talk show host on 680 The Fan. Buck, thanks so much for joining us. And my longtime buddy, Chip Towers, uh, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Chip and I go back to 1994 when I had a magazine I was the managing editor for. And the boss said, we need you to go out and get the best beat writer from every team to cover them. And I picked up the phone and I called Chip Towers. And uh, Chip's still going strong there, reporting at the AJC. Guys, we dropped some names that probably got some heart palpitations. Fans excited. We talk about JT Daniels, and everybody's excited about the California quarterback. Highest returning passer rating from the time he stepped on the field on November 21st of any quarterback in the country. Amarius Mims. I mean, if you if you build a guy, uh, it, 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 this guy is a monster. I mean, he's going to be all that. Give him the Outland Trophy now. Let's put it on hold for him. I mean, this guy is everything he's supposed to be. And as I wrote today, he hasn't taken a break. He hasn't gone home. He wants on the field right now. Even though as a true freshman, he doesn't really have any business being out there among all these other five stars. Let's keep our eye on this because I predict by the end of the year, we'll see a Marius Mims. Now, Buck, we talk about all these players as we get into the preseason portion of this show, who's the Georgia player that you can't wait to see on the field this fall? Give me an offense and a defensive player. Well, offensively, it's really easy. This Darnell Washington, man, I am so excited to see him play the game. And I'll tell you what, if Todd Monken, after dinner tonight, is not in his office designing targets to get the ball to Darnell Washington, I'm going to be disappointed with that uh, real matchup. This uh, disadvantage uh, on the defense, man. I mean, you're going. That's a matchup advantage for Georgia. So, well, I mean, is it ridiculous to think you're going to target him eight to ten times a game? I, I certainly don't think so. Uh, you know, with Gilbert uh, split out wide at the X, you got uh, Cook coming out of the backfield. McIntosh and Milton are good receivers. Uh, you know, I just think they can be dynamic. And and seeing what Big Zero does this year has got me excited. Defensively. Uh, you know, I'm hoping we're going to see Nolan Smith break out this season. A lot uh, was expected out of him, so I'm, I'm pulling for him to come through. But my favorite player over on that defensive side is Nakobe Dean. I think he's the best football defensive player on this Georgia team. Love watching him play. He's all over the field. He's playing the run. He's playing the pass. You know, he's leading. So I will say those are the two guys, other than JT Daniels, I'm really excited to see. Well, Chip, he took some popular ones there. Darnell Washington at 6'7", 280. That's what Kirby calls him. 
And the guy can catch like that. I mean, this is a guy that can really transform that position a little bit once he gets to the pros. But Buck stole some good ones there. Who's on your mind that you're eager to see on offense and defense this fall? Yeah, I mean, uh, those the, he definitely he got the the pick of the litter right there. But uh, I mean, I'm definitely on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm really excited about getting to see Jermaine Burton. I th- I, th- I think we've barely seen the tip of the iceberg on this kid. I mean, he can really fly. And uh, oddly enough, if you look, he had a great production last year, obviously. And we saw that in, in several ways and manifest itself in, in pretty decent freshman stats and touchdowns. But, man, the missed targets that he had. In other words, he the balls that didn't get to him, um, I, I, I know that they're still licking their chops about that. And, it, and if I'd add a B on that receiver cord, be Arian Smith in the same regard. Both of these guys can fly and absolutely take the top off the defense. But what I love about Jermaine Burton is he can get in there and mix it up pretty good on those slant routes and the, you know, the tough balls and the out routes. I mean, I, I just see a lot of potential in this guy. And I have a feeling the, the two Californians, you know, uh, uh, JT Daniels and, and uh, Jermaine Burton, are, are, you know, probably enjoy that distinction and want to make it even more of one. Defensively, for me, it's no question, man. Big 99, Jordan Davis. Actually, in this era of name, image, and likeness, and and I thank you, Griff, we've gotten this deep in the show without ever even bringing it up. But uh, uh, I really hope a guy like that, you know, he chooses to come back for his senior year. He is a guy that we have seen and heard talked about, and there's just no there's no substitute for his size. You know, it's 6'6", 350 pounds. Uh, 320 is what Kirby wants him at. So he, he plays somewhere in between there. Kirby's never happy about it. But apparently, uh, you know, he's in the best shape he's be. He's playing for an NFL contract. He's got a great personality. He's a wonderful kid. He's from Charlotte. I went up there and met him in Mallard Creek. You know, this is a three-star prospect. Georgia doesn't even fool around with many three-star prospects. But they saw something in this kid. And I went up here and, and did a, uh, a story on him. Uh, when I was doing full-time work with Dog Nation, and I came away so impressed with this kid, not the least of which, I mean, he's he's every bit of six seven. I mean, with his hair, he's six eight. Uh, and this guy, I think, just brings so much to the table. And we were talking about the secondary early. Uh, Buck was talking about Nicobe Dean and, and Nolan Smith. So much of what you can do on defense is dependent upon a block of granite like that in the middle, who not only – can hold up blockers anytime that's what you ask him to do. But he's worked a lot on that swim move and different things. They're playing him a little bit more at three technique and four technique and not so much zero and one. Uh, I just think Jordan Davis, I'm excited, which is what the question was, to see him play this season. I think he brings a lot to the table. You know, we're three deep now. We're getting six players in, and I'm not having any problem with the names on the top of my mind, which tells you – just how loaded this Georgia team is and exciting this season's going to be. I'm going to start on offense. Now, this is this might be a curveball, but I consider myself a bit of a running back expert. I've covered some good ones. And I'm going to tell you, Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh. Listen, I know Zamir White. He's a veteran. And I know James Cook can catch the ball. And I know these senior guys are going to get the nod and they're going to get the preferred time. But if you're asking me long-term, the guys that I think are going to blow up, I'm going to tell you, Kendall Milton is special. I saw that when that Auburn defensive tackle bounced off him like he was made out of kryptonite. I saw it when it took 11 guys from Tennessee to bring him down. And Kenny McIntosh, let's not forget, 
Kenny McIntosh, he's not a kick returner by trade, but he was second in the nation in kick returns when he was injured. That cutback move he's got. Now, when a guy's got that kind of vision, that's special, man. Them eyes in the back of the head, not every running back has them, but Kenny can cut you up, and he proved he can run away. And, oh, by the way, let's not forget it was Kenny McIntosh Crunch time against Cincinnati with three catches on that game-winning drive. He's a special one. Those are two future NFL players that you're going to see emerge as this season goes on. I'm going to say Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton are the two guys on offense. And, oh, by the way, Dog Nation has a little project with these guys. I can't tell you too much more, but you're going to see him right here on our channel. A little different format. You're going to get to know Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh a little bit better through our NIL relationship with these running backs. We're stretching it out a little bit. Defensively, I can't believe that neither one of you guys took him. Can't believe you didn't take Kirby's Frankenstein. He's been working on Adam Anderson for four years. This guy's 6'5", 230 with a 4'4", 740, and Kirby's letting Alabama and all these RPO teams know he's going to be the star when we play you. Yeah, there's going to be another linebacker out there. Those, run, those quarterbacks want to keep it. Adam Anderson's going to be waiting for him. That's why Adam Anderson's getting those looks at the star when, in truth, he's an outside linebacker. And you'll see him approach double-digit sacks. Guys, I want to move on to the next topic, and it's the one-time immediate transfer. You know, listen, last year amid COVID, we saw Cade Mays cut out, wanted to be with his family, and his dad got his thumb attached back on and all that. And so the SEC said, that's fine. You can go ahead and go, Cade. We'll make a one-time exemption. You can be ready. And Tennessee still couldn't beat Georgia. Do we think this is a good thing now that you don't have to have a waiver and that you don't have to plead your case to the uh, NCAA and even in the SEC, Buck, that you can go from one school to another and be eligible right away? Is that growing on you yet? You look like you got some problems with it to me. No, you know, I'm, I'm sort of glad it's, it's come to this. Uh, we've seen these coaches just pick up and leave even when they had a contract and go coach somewhere else. So I always thought it was a little unfair that you locked the player in like you did. So I like the freedom. I like the one-time uh, transfer thing. You know what grows on you? You get used to it because you're seeing this in, in youth league. You got these kids playing on a different team every year. And then in high school, you got these kids playing it you know, one, two, three different high schools. So, uh, look, as an old school kind of guy, this this has grown on me a little bit. and I'm sort of happy you have that freedom to be able to at least do it once. Chip, are you, are you on board with this? You know, a few years ago when this was discussed, Nick Saban said, wait a minute, guys, do we really want this? This could be free agency. And Kirby wasn't big on it either. Ironically, though, as you pointed out earlier in the show, I don't think any program benefited more this last offseason – than Georgia from the one-time transfer. Do you think ultimately this is good for college football? Well, uh, those are different questions there, whether it's good for college football, because I'm not sure that NIL and a lot of the other things we've seen are necessarily good for college football. But I say that, you know, with a qualifier, because I, I really don't know what college football is going to look like with all this change. I mean, my gosh, it's just been flying at us like, you know, hatchets flying through the air somebody's throwing them at you you know and you're like oh god what's going to happen next and and you know i will point out in in the case of somebody like demetrius robertson who just went to auburn uh it also covers two-time transfers because he him being a graduate uh uh allows him to transfer again with that six year to play with auburn after transferring to georgia to california but D buck hit it on the head and what 
what what really is the bottom line on both NIL uh, and on the uh, the one time transfer? It's really United States of America land of opportunity, right? You should never impede somebody's ability to make money, ability to be happy, ability to be where they want to be. I do think the one-time transfer is an answer to go anywhere you want, whenever you want, one time. But after that, you know, you can't be jumping around every year. You know, I mean, you can. I mean, you, we see it in, uh, you know, the professional ranks all the time. Heck, uh, you know, the NBA every year is like, well, wh- this year, which way is LeBron and uh, Stefan Curry going to decide they want to go? You know, it's kind of like that. And, you know, baseball in a different way changes pretty often, you know, but that's contractually. The difference here, there aren't any contracts. Right now, there are no, con- these aren't contract employees or anything like that. So, you know, what's to stop them? If you're unhappy over here, you think you can do better over there, that's fine. I uh, was a little bit surprised how quickly the uh, SEC, you know, gave in, cave, relented, whatever you want to put it, on the on the intra-conference uh rule. Now, I understand why they did it competitively. They had to do it or else you're dead, you know, um, uh, in, in this landscape. But, you know, I, I personally, I've never really liked, you know, Demetrius Robertson going to Auburn, Cade Mays going to Tennessee. I mean, they should have that right, certainly as graduate transfers, no, no, no question about it. But I still, I, you know, I've just been covering this game truly my whole life. And, you know, that's what I think we're losing in some ways. And in most cases, certainly, you know, Buck came to Georgia. Buck cho- chose Georgia over Alabama because he loved Georgia. He wanted to play for Georgia, and he was a Georgian. You know, well, that, you know, some of that, a lot of that is kind of eked away, you know, with all the money and everything in college football. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. That's just what's, that's the change that we've witnessed here. And it does make it different. So I'm kind of waiting to see what it looks like. I certainly don't begrudge these guys having an opportunity to go play somewhere else because they're either unhappy or not getting what they want to eat at the place they are. Uh, and I certainly don't have any problem with them making money, uh, you know, when, you know, guys like Todd Gurley and A.J. Green lose eligibility for literally selling stuff that belonged to them their own signature, their own letterman's jacket. Uh, you know, that that's that was way overstepping the lines of amateurism, in my opinion. Yeah, there's going to be some unintended consequences that have really yet to evolve, as you say, Chip. Uh, some of the kids with the opportunities going into that portal, they, they may not come out. You, you know, you're giving up that scholarship and going in. Somebody's got to be waiting for you on the other end. And, and there's a lot of names and faces that have just kind of disappeared. There are milk cartons out there. We don't know when they're going to reemerge. And what if when you make that transfer now, they got you? Because you, you try to go again and you don't get that one time. It had better work out. You are really up against it. Once you make that move, you, you better know what's waiting on you. And then you get into the idea, well, how do you know what's waiting on you if there's no uh, collusion or interference, right? Because you're telling these kids, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be any deal making before you go on that portal. Well, then why are we going in the portal if we don't know what's waiting for? See, to me, you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure with this portal, the way the rules are structured right now. What I really think we need to see, guys, for the portal and the NIL, and Buck, I'm going to throw the NIL to you in a second, but we need to see a calendar. You know, you just – right now, as you said, Chip, everything just – 
everything's just hog wild. It's a land rush and, and everything's happening. How about a calendar, like a free agency? Okay, here's the window when you've got to go in and when you got, because if I'm Kirby Smart and I got all these kids that want to commit to Georgia, man, in December, I still don't know who's going pro. I still don't know who's going pro in December. I got to play this game and try and guess. You know, and let me tell you, when Zamir White came back for another, everybody looking, well, well, he, he came back. Wait a minute. Hey, that wasn't, he didn't think that at Kendall Melton. Anyway, when recruiting, he's coming back for another year? Wait a minute. What's going on here, coach? You know, now the numbers are, you know, this is crazy. And Kirby's already intense enough, so we can't see him get even more intense. If there was a way he would, his head just might blow up one day because this has got to be the toughest roster management in the history of any sport. And now, but just when you think you get your mind wrapped around your roster, you got to worry about these NIL deals and what these kids might be doing and saying. And what do you think about NIL and where are we headed with this thing? Well, I'm a little conflicted on this. Uh, you know, I, I like the idea of these guys cashing in, have some money in their pocket. You know, like Chip was saying, this is the uh, – the great United States of America, land of opportunities. So, look, I believe in that. But, you know, it just, uh, just I don't wonder about the unintended consequences. What are those? Uh, and how about the chemistry you've got in the locker room when you have the quarterback making six, seven figures, and then you have some other guys on the team that, uh, you know, are trying to, you know, pull up a couple of dollars to go grab a pizza on a Thursday night or something like that. So, I'm Look, I'm a little conflicted on this. I, I, I don't know what to expect. I, I just hope I, I'd like to advise JT Daniels, though, don't take that Bulldog Kia commercial away from Barbara Dooley. I think he's <laughs> going to run into problem if he takes that. So I, I do want to offer up that advice to JT. That's right. He'll never get a statue built if he does that. <laughs> Yo, let me ask you, Buck, you mentioned something there about the locker room, and, and, and I wasn't there in the 1980s watching Georgia, but – I've got to think that the star power around Herschel Walker was enough to illuminate any room he walked into. What was that like playing with a guy with that incredible story as a freshman, the Notre Dame game and Sugar Bowl? I mean, right from the start, everybody had to know it was Superman. How was that locker room managed and how did Herschel handle that? And then how did you handle that as a quarterback? Because by the very nature of your position, you had to set an example for everyone. Well, look, at it, that campus was on fire when Herschel hit the scene. Uh, you know, I remember being in the Georgia bookstore and seeing those 34 jerseys just fly off the shelf. I mean, they, they, as soon as they put them out there, they were, they were being bought. And I thought that, you know, at the time, gosh, it's, it doesn't seem right that Herschel is not getting any of this. Uh, you know, I, I thought maybe the uh, thing to do was to put some of that aside when he left, when his eligibility was up, cut him a check as he left, walked out the door. But you know, those, uh, it's a different day and time back then. And, uh, you know, again, I'm just concerned of, you know, I'm not real sure what the unintended consequences are going to be. And, you know, I think the locker room issue could be a potential problem. Chip, I guess I'd ask you about this. Now, you mentioned it a little bit earlier that there was, there was some concerns there. What do you foresee? Does NIL help Georgia more than other SEC schools because of the proximity to Atlanta? Well, yeah, I mean, I think regardless of Georgia's proximity to Atlanta, um, I, I think the thing that helps Georgia 
is the same thing that helps Ohio State and Alabama and other ones like them. Uh, in fact, you know, I did an interview with Dan Everett of Everett Sports Marketing, and I, I found it very interesting that they only signed two con, uh, two, two um, um, candidates in this whole thing, and it's in JT Daniels and Sam Howell of, of North Carolina. And, and the reason he did that is those three guys hit the three biggest check marks that, that in their opinion, uh, one, they play on high-profile teams they are going to be uh, uh, in the hunt for championships. Two, he sees them as Heisman Trophy candidates, regardless of what some analysts for pro football focus might think, but, but uh, I digress. Um, and, um, and they see them as the type of personalities. Uh, you know, Jake Fromm had a great personality for this. Aaron Murray had a great personality for this. Um, you know, most, most quarterbacks, the leaders, established quarterbacks, have this type of, of – yeah, I don't know if you could call it good guy or just, you know, a guy that uh, uh, you're not going to have to read about in the police blotter and they're going to uh, be looking at charitable causes. They're going to be um, volunteering for ESP, uh, you know, and doing things like that. And uh, that's why they identified JT Daniels and Sam Howell. Now, it's, it's all over the map uh, outside of that right now. And uh, I agree with Buck about uh, JT Daniels and, and Bulldog Kia because there's no way JT Daniels could say, we'll see you at Bulldog Kia. There's no way he can pull that off with his California accent. But there's going to be plenty of other opportunities for JT Daniels as long as it goes well. Now, as for the dynamics, that's going to be a real thing. There's going to be some guys who take it well. Uh, I, 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 I'd say the grand majority of a, nobody knows better in a locker room who the players are. And everybody knows what a quarterback means to in football, period. I mean, that's just the way it's set up. It's the way the game is played. Look at the NFL. Who's getting the endorsement deals? You'll see an occasional J.J. Watt or somebody else, but mainly it's the quarterback. You know, the big money guys are Aaron Mer uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady. So, you know, I, I think most of them are going to understand that. But they're human beings like anything else. They're, you're always going to have people saying, where's mine? Where's mine? Uh, and, and I think you'll have that a little bit, but that's, Hey, this is why Kirby smart and that staff is, uh, you know, one of the highest paid staffs in college football, because they're good at what they do. And they manage a lot of other things that we haven't even seen or talked about to this point. This is just another one of them. And I, I'm sure they've already addressed it, uh, on before July 1st, they had to say, okay, this is coming, but guys, you got to know this JT over here, Zamir. Yeah, maybe a couple other guys are, are they're going to get the big bucks. They're probably not going to be your way. But if you want a deal, you bust your hump for those guys. And JT Daniels, uh, as I wrote about this week, Aaron Murray's already told him, you better be, get you a deal with a restaurant because you're going to need to take those big uglies out to dinner That's every right. week. That's right. Maybe Miami's got the right idea. You guys saw that Jim has cut a deal to just give everybody on the team. Uh, cut him a check. Listen, last question, guys. I've held both of you longer than I intended to and really enjoyed the conversation. Certainly, uh, Buck and Chip, you bring so much to the table and so much perspective uh, that, that others just simply can't appreciate and don't have. So the value is great. And uh, that's that's my nice way of saying that's why I held you so long, because it's been really, really good and now and entertaining, you know, for me, uh, educational. Uh, so this is my last question for you, Buck. Uh, your, your question, what do you want to find out at SEC Media, if you could put truth serum in any coach, 
and ask him a question that he had to answer. What coach would you inject with the truth serum and what would be your question? Well, because of that run, Lindsey, run play, I don't expect to get in front of Dan Mullen. Uh, you know, I've, I've just come to expect that part of it. Uh, you know, but, I, you know, there are these guys like Heupel at Tennessee. Uh, Mike, you've covered this program. I volunteer, very proud uh, program and uh, anxious to see, obviously. I think he's going to be the best fit they've had there in a while. He's going to have to clean up the mess Pruitt left behind. And, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to get to know uh, Heupel a little better. So uh, looking forward to that, uh, you know, uh, Coach O. Want to talk to Coach O about uh, that. Uh, if they could beat Alabama coming up again this year. So, you know, that, that seems like that'd be a lot of fun right there. Uh, you know, Coach Harson over there at Auburn. I uh, want to ask him about the scheme, the quarterback competition. Is Bo Nix really in trouble over there with this kid, uh, Finley, coming in from LSU? So, you know, those are just some of the things that come to mind. Uh, and I would love to get in front of Kirby Smart. I know there are a lot of people trying to get in front of him, but you know, I'm hoping he will uh, show the hometown station a little bit of love over there in Birmingham. So, yeah, holding out hope we make that happen. I'm sure he will. I, I'm sure that Kirby is going to be a media darling this year. Uh, we know how much he loves the media. I'm sure he cannot wait. For this, he's probably taking notes right now on witty and fun things that he can say to entertain media members. Okay, I just uh, hope you know when he starts walking my way that 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 pullback coach doesn't grab him by the belt and pull him pull him on back to the sidelines. You know, I'm hoping he can make it over to the table. Let me say too, though, I just you know I'm a big fan of the job Mike you've done through the years covering SEC football, and you know Chip and I have been friends for a long, long time. So really appreciate as a fan of the game your coverage and, and the great coverage you guys have provided through the years. Thanks, Buck. That means a lot. I really appreciate that, man. And enjoy the 680 stuff. As I said, I, I wrote that story off to take the handcuffs. I said, boy, oh boy, Buck is really throwing it out there. You know, somebody had to say it. And if it ain't the national championship quarterback, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who could get away with saying it, Chip. How about you? Your, your uh, SEC quest, burning questions is SEC media days fast approach. You know, I, I'm kind of wondering with this NIL deal, you know, uh, Kirby and several coaches like him um, have the freshman can't be interviewed policy. And I, I think that's going to be a problem in the age of the NIL. So I'm, I'm all prepared to ask every one of them that I get a chance to talk to. Hey, how are you going to handle, you know, Saban has the same policy at most, uh, you know, most everybody in the league now is some, some form of six degrees of separation from Nick Saban. And they all have that that rule, uh, which I, by the way, think ridic is ridiculous, but that's neither here nor there. But I mean, if a guy comes to Georgia, I'm sure they're selling them on, hey, this is a high profile program. People love the Bulldogs. They love you. But, you know, you need to let them trot them out there a little bit instead of, uh, you know, putting a, 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 a bit in their mouth and tell them not to say anything all year. Just go out there and run, son. Uh, so I, I, I'm eager to see if that's going to change. I have a feeling uh, that it won't um, because, you know, Kirby has one thing in mind and I don't think it's, you know, I don't think NIL is at the top of his list of, of, of goal satisfaction for the season. But that said, you know, uh, uh, that, that is something that I, I actually wonder about and want to find out if anything's going to change as a result. 
Well, I'll say this, guys. It's someone, again, it's starting my fourth year at Georgia, and I know we we talk about what Kirby's going to do on offense and what his media policies are. I can't think, though, of a better coach right now for Georgia in this era. And every question you ask Kirby Smart, in his mind, the question is, does this help us win a championship? And, and that focus and that drive and that intensity that this guy's got, and, yeah, he can bark and snap at his chip, Just he, and he's going to do that because that's what the barking dog does. But he's here to win a championship. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no pretenses. This isn't a stepping ladder to another job. There, this isn't a guy that sits back and, and thinks about how he's going to spend his $7 million. The reason he's this intense and this focused is because he wants that title. And that's what it takes, man. If you're going to knock off Alabama, a program that is all in, that sold their soul, for Nick Saban said, we will pay you whatever. We will do whatever. You tell us, Nick, and give him complete control. And they've been all in now for 13 years. This is year five for Kirby, right? Am I, is it my five? Is that right? 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Six. This is year six for Kirby. He's got a few SEC East titles. He's been to a title game already. I, I can't think of a better position than for Georgia to be in. And all them other fan bases, they can laugh about 1980. And say off seat, they keep saying it. They better say it while they can, guys. Because I got a feeling, I got a feeling some special things are going to happen this year. Buck Blue, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know people will be tuning in to 680 The Fan to catch you and, and your show starting next week. And Chip Towers, you and I, as we get off this call here in a moment, we'll be planning for Birmingham and the SEC Media Days. And we'll have all sorts of great coverage on Dog Nation the rest of this week. Connor Riley, Tuesday night. Jeff Centel comes at you on Wednesdays. And, of course, you can get Brandon Adams every day, Dog Nation Daily at 10 a.m. here on this Dog Nation channel. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on our Angles on the Beach show. Have a great week. Good to see you, Buck. You too.